give the Lord some praise and worship that he's certainly worthy of. Can we clap our hands to Jesus today? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Look at your neighbor and tell him I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. I, I hope you mean that in a good Christian way. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments. I'd like to remind you of some things coming up. Um, as you've noticed on the screen, no doubt, we have a tab set up on our website, on our Grace Church website, that you can give your Mission Louisiana Pledge. This is the um, campground pledge that a lot of you have made, have wanted to make, and uh, now it's a little more convenient to do that on Easy Tithe on our Grace Church website. And remember our banquet tonight. If you've signed up, if you've paid to go, uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. A great time, a great opportunity to celebrate the spirit of Christmas. So remember our Christmas banquet tonight starts at 6 o'clock at Forest Grove Plantation. Also remember this coming Tuesday uh, is prayer here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. Remember that. And then next Sunday is our uh, Christmas service. It's always a great time and uh, to come and celebrate the birth of Jesus. Uh, invite your friends and family. Uh, we're excited about it. And uh, join us next Sunday uh, for our Christmas service. We'll also be receiving our uh, Christmas for Christ offering during that service. And uh, everybody listen up, both feet on the floor, set up straight, both ears. Uh, on December the 24th, Christmas Eve is a Sunday. As you all know, uh, we're planning to have one service Everybody say one service. One service at 10 a.m. It's just going to be a very short, brief worship service uh, to celebrate Christmas. That will be Sunday morning, uh, December the 10th. There will not be any Sunday school, none of that. Everybody just comes straight into the sanctuary at 10 a.m. And uh, we'll have a great time together. Also, those of you that are in the adult Bible class, the adult Sunday school class every Sunday morning, listen carefully. On Sunday, January the 7th of next year, we're going to move that class from the sanctuary to the Alexander Center. Um, we're going to rejoin, re reconnect my Sunday school class that I've been teaching with the adult class, and I'm going to resume the material that I'm teaching in my Sunday school class on Sunday morning. With, I'm going to share that with the entire adult class. And, uh, and then I will teach that for a while. I'll explain all of that later. I'll teach some of my material for a while. And then we're planning to do a study through the book of Revelation on Sunday morning with our adult class. Uh, so remember that for January the 7th on Sunday morning. Uh, everybody that's in the adult Bible class on Sunday morning will go next door uh, to the Alexander Center and uh, remember that announcement. Uh, we will continue to serve our wonderful donuts and coffee and what have you. And uh, if you're in my Sunday school class, you'll appreciate that. If you're in the adult class, you will learn to appreciate that pretty quickly. So 
uh, we'll continue to make that happen. And uh, I do want to ask, I want everybody to listen carefully. Uh, I would prefer not to use the sanctuary for any function on Sunday morning during Sunday school. I've wanted it this way for years since we bought this building. And uh, now hopefully it will work out that way. Uh, I'm going to ask you not to hang out in here in the dark while Sunday school is going on somewhere else. Uh, would like for it to just be uh, just a, a very quiet, hallowed place uh, on Sunday morning during Sunday school so we can uh, come back at 11 and just really light it up in here for Jesus, if you will. So uh, we want all the lights to be real dimmed, probably not even on at all. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. So everybody in the adult class, remember that for January 7th. Thank the Lord. Well, did you come today to worship? Have you brought a little praise with you today? Did you bring a little worship with you today? Thank the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. We'll have a baptism while this is going on. Everybody stand to your feet. Let's worship the Lord today.
So let's start right 
presence and begin to literally interact with all of us, our heart, our mind, our body, just interact with him. Do you want to be with him? You want to be with him? I don't want him to be a corner and then a corner somewhere. I want him to move around and I want him to touch our lives and our hearts today. Thank the Lord. Let's praise him again. Let's clap our hands. You may be seated for a moment. Thank you, praise team, again for taking us to the throne of God through worship, through praise. There's nothing like it. And I hope to all of us here today that our, our music, our singing is not just a formality in church, but it's a moment, it's an opportunity for us to engage in the beautiful, beautiful presence of the Lord. And we trust that all of you do that. Thank the Lord. Great to see all of you here today. And uh, we're always excited to have our guest with us. And uh, if you're here at Grace Church for the first time, or perhaps you've been here before, we welcome you today. We're so glad you're here. And thank you for coming to worship the Lord with us. Those joining us on Facebook live and live stream, thank you as well. We're so excited uh, to have everyone a part of our service here today. And uh, wasn't it wonderful to see our sweet little baby, I call him baby because he's so little, but Baylor Lewis baptized today in the beautiful name of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Thank the Lord. And uh, I say it often, and it's not because I don't have anything else to say. I just like to repeat it. Uh, it's an awesome thing to see our Grace Church children baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. I'd rather it happen now than to try to encourage that to happen later. And uh, I think we all know that the older you get, sometimes making that connect is sometimes a little more challenging and difficult. So I'm excited about our little ones receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, uh, and being baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. And I understand that he was nigh on receiving the Holy Ghost last Sunday. Thanks to our Sunday school class, I understand it was something that happened in Sunday school that got him stirred up, and he wanted to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm excited. Doesn't he look sharp? He looks as sharp as can be here this morning, dressed up. Thank the Lord. All dressed up. And Baylor, we're so happy for you, man. Shake my hand. There you go. I'm so glad for you today that you were baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. And certainly hope is something that you never ever forget and he's thinking in his mind would you please hurry up with this I'm ready to go sit down back with my mother but we have a little certificate for you man you could bring it to your mama it has your name on it right there that you were baptized at Grace Church on December the 10th and we're happy about that man you feel better about being baptized you do thank the Lord all right God bless you and you can go return to your seat with your mama thank the Lord 
I don't know if we've just saw what way he was just then, if that comes from his mother or his daddy. Uh, neither. Is that, that may be the case. Anyway, uh, handsome kids. Love the Lewis family. We're so thankful to have them uh, a part of Grace Church. Amen. Uh, I'd like for you to stand with me again, if you would. We're going to go to the Word of God. And uh, I'm sure some of you have heard, uh, kind of have a fresh outbreak of, of COVID. I, I told somebody this morning, I think now when you go to the doctor, no matter what's wrong with you, they're going to call it COVID. Uh, that's just my opinion. We can talk about the reason for all that later, maybe. But uh, it's going on at Grace Church. We have a number of folks that are uh, very, very sick this morning. If you would keep them in your prayers, uh, they would appreciate it so very much. Let me call your attention to the Word of God today, Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 3. <clears throat> the Bible said, in being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, it's interesting to me, the Bible oftentimes will give you a person's name and then their condition. The Bible refers to Mary Magdalene as possessed with, with seven devils. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box She'd break the box and poured it on his, that would be Jesus, poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. She hath done this, or she hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning, kind of an abstract title for this sermon, but I want to talk to you about the value of the box, the value of the box. Everybody say, thank God for the word. God bless you. Thank you. And you may be seated. I don't want to begin this message today by, by going off into the weeds right away. So I'll make this as brief as I can. Uh, a lot of commentaries debate back and forth as to who this woman was. What was her name? And I'm going to go into this for a moment for a reason. Personally, I don't necessarily believe this was Mary, the Mary Martha Lazarus, that Mary. I don't necessarily believe it was that person. Again, in Mark 14 and 3, the Bible said, Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper... The Bible is clear, it doesn't tell you who the woman was, but it tells you where she was at. She was at the house of Simon and Leper. In Luke uh, 7.37, he, uh, 
he said, uh, the Bible said, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. So it is possible that whoever this woman was in Mark 14 and Luke 7, perhaps it was the same place, but a different person than Mary. I think it's even possible that these are just three different stories found in the Bible. <clears throat> You'll notice in Luke 7, 37, she, was, she showed up at a place where a Pharisee lived. In Mark 14, she showed up at the house of Simon the leper. I guess it's possible that Simon might have been the Pharisee. But you'll understand in just a moment. John's gospel contains an account very similar to this one. And John specifically names Mary, the sister of Martha, and the setting is in the house of Lazarus after he had been raised from the dead. So the events, the dialogue, the comments by Judas are the same, but I don't necessarily believe it was the same incident. I do believe that, G that Judas had the potential to argue this act of worship more than once. So when he didn't get the point the first time, Jesus allowed that experience to come to him again, and he still didn't get the point. I'm saying that to say, I'm not going to debate this with anybody. It's not that big of a deal to me. But it's interesting to me that if it is at least two or three different incidences where a woman came and anointed Jesus in one fashion or another with some very expensive ointment that Jesus gave Judas Iscariot two times, maybe even three, to rethink his posture on what worship is. I know he does that to us virtually every Sunday morning. He gives us a trial run over and over and over, preparing us for that great meeting on the golden shore one day when we will praise him with all of our heart, with all of our might, and with everything we have on the inside of us. Amen. So the Bible was very specific in the book of John that the woman that, that broke open a box of ointment was Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. But I'm not sure about the incidences that are recorded in Mark 14 and Luke 7. I do want you to notice today that Jesus is sitting in the house of Simon the leper. I mentioned a moment ago that in the Bible, sometimes if you're known for something, it'll just stick with you for the rest of the time you're mentioned in the Bible. It just hangs on for some reason. And I think that's applicable in our day as well. We have a, a tendency not to forget somebody's past. And we want to bring it up often and what have you. But some believe that Jesus sitting in the house of the leper, of Simon the leper, was indicative of the fact that he had been cleansed of leprosy. The Bible doesn't say that. And I don't like to put words in the mouth of the Bible when they're not there. I know Jesus touched a leper early on in his ministry and cleansed him. Yes, he did. 
And um, it would be nothing for Jesus to show up at the house of a leper just to prove the point. And then Luke's account, if it is the same Simon the leper, Luke's account calls him a Pharisee. So Mark calls him a leper, and Luke calls him a Pharisee. In our culture, the poor man wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs> amen. Everybody say amen. I hope I'm getting through today. I'm not trying to stay on this point too long. I believe the gospel is for everybody. I believe it's for every man, woman, boy, girl. It's for every race. It's for everybody. The gospel is for everybody. And if you're a student of the Word of God, you know that leprosy is a type of sin. It's technically not a disease. The Bible called it an uncleanness, which makes it a type of sin. And uh, so if he was a leper, Jesus was proving the point that he has dinner with sinners. And he also proved the point that he don't mind hanging out with Pharisees. The problem with that situation is the Pharisees minded hanging out with him. That was the problem because he kept him under a, a continual condition of conviction and trying to show them you've been looking for the Messiah all of your life. Here he is. So Jesus can hang out with people of his choosing and he does. And I thank God he does. I think all of us should be thankful that he does. So if this is true, then this Simon, the leper slash Pharisee, has a very good reason to be thankful to have Jesus in his house. I want to say to all of us here today, we can sometimes want to rise up on the apple crate and just let everybody know how horrible we are or were, but we're not now. I don't want to ever forget where God has brought me from and what he has delivered me from and what he has saved me from. And I don't care what title you put behind my name. I'm always thankful to have Jesus in my house and he can come to my house and celebrate his greatness and his power and his might anytime he wants to. Hallelujah. Jesus had made the statement that he didn't come necessarily to minister to Pharisees. But yet he had transcended the hypocrisy of this man's position in order to minister to his need. His social classification, his religious classification did not stop Jesus from ministering to him. His leprosy trumped his cultural and religious titles. I hope you're hearing me today. But all of that being said, for the point of this message today, who the woman was, why she was there, why Jesus was there, that's not the path that I want to go down this morning. What I do know is that Jesus was having supper in the house of a leper. Whether he was still a leper or had been cleansed of leprosy, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But either way, 
Jesus was there, and I want everybody here under the sound of my voice to hear me today, it was a big deal. Jesus didn't go to everybody's house back then. There wasn't very many that he visited anyway that we know of in their home. But he was there with this man, whether he was a leper or not or used to be, whether he was a Pharisee or not or used to be, doesn't matter. The point is Jesus was in his house and having dinner with him and it was a very festive occasion of celebration. I'm sure that this Simon person, whoever he was and whatever condition he was in, was very thankful to have Jesus. And to have a man like Jesus, especially of his reputation in your house, you did not take it for granted. And I'm sure Simon went to great lengths to make sure Everything is perfect for Jesus' visit. To put it in our terminology, all the fine china was out. The house was spotless. Uh, I might have to be real careful here. There was a church event recently at someone's house. And I understand that a person that lived in that house went to great, great lengths. Brought out Q-tips and toothpicks cleaning to make sure everything was perfect for that event. And I appreciate it. I thought it was amazing. The terrible thing about it is the other person living in that, I'm having to be very vague because they're here this morning. I don't want them to figure out I'm talking about them. But another person that lived in the house, I don't know why you're doing all that, it's going to be covered up. And it just kind of knocks the wind out of your sail. I applaud the fervor, the passion, the concern. This person wanted to make sure their house was perfect. And they've always been that way, and I hope they never change. And I'm very sad that all of their hard work was covered up by a cloth. But it is what it is sometimes. I know when we have company, we go through the house. I know some of you that do the same thing. As a matter of fact, I have called people under needs of urgency and said, I need to come to your house and I'll be there in 10 minutes. And I'm told later, it's usually the wife. Buddy, the adrenaline hits and they run through that house. Man, if they could maintain that pace and clean houses all week long for people, they could retire in two years. I mean, they'd make more money. you clean 15 houses a day at that rate if you could maintain it. But it's funny when you see something that was obviously overlooked. It meant to be picked up. Uh, I've seen certain articles of clothing that was left somewhere, and I know full good and well this family did not intend for that piece of clothing to remain in view when somebody was visiting their house. And I just had to walk away with a smile. I can't get more specific about that article of clothing, but um, sometimes things happen. I don't think that happened to Simon that day. I think that house, for wherever he lived, it's amazing to me that, and now that I think of it, he had to be cleansed of leprosy to even be at his house. If he had had leprosy, 
he would be outside the city. He wouldn't be having anybody at his house. So no doubt he had been cleansed, and I believe perhaps they were celebrating, and they had Jesus come over. The food had to be just right. The setting had to be just right. Please listen to Pastor, as was the custom. I'm sure when Jesus walked in that the servants had washed his feet already. They had anointed him with oil as the custom was when dignitaries came to dine. So all of the attention, all of the accolades that Jesus was dutifully worthy of was given to him when he walked in the door. I want you to understand that. So when this woman arrived with her box, everything that this woman would do, I'm sure, had already been done when Jesus arrived. But here's the difference. When Jesus arrived, the servants washed his feet. That was a custom, but they were also servants, and they didn't have a choice. Their master told them, go wash his feet, and they had to whether they wanted to or not. So when this woman arrived, everything that she would do for Jesus had already been done. So this man, Simon, who no doubt felt like he owed so much to Jesus, had gone to great trouble and expense to show his appreciation. Who could possibly do anything else greater than this? Greater than what he had done. Who could do more than that? Who could top that? Who could a person formerly being a leper clean his house spotless? Everything's perfect. His servants had been schooled on what to do when Jesus walks in the door. How could that be improved upon and made any better? The Bible said, in the midst of supper, while they were eating, I want to say in passing, as wonderful as everything has been here today, there is still more. There's more faith. There's more worship. There's more commitment that could be made manifest here today, even after all that we've heard, all that we've sang. I want to dance in His presence I want to be with you. I want to be with you. After all of that, we sang about his kingdom coming. We sang about all of that. I still know in my heart today that there's still somebody here today with an unbroken box. This woman, I don't know how she found out that Jesus was at the house of Simon the leper. I don't know how she found out about it. But however she found out about it, there was a conflict with time because she was sorely late. But it's okay because she didn't come to make a social call. She didn't come just to be in his presence as we sang here today. She came with a much greater purpose than that. The Bible said, Luke said, that she stood at his feet weeping. 
Jesus is eating his chicken wing. Jesus is eating some coleslaw and salad or whatever. Jesus is eating his green beans and all of that and enjoying a good sip of good cold Louisiana iced tea. And this woman walks in and just starts sobbing, just stands in front of him, gets in his way, interrupts his dinner, and she just cries and cries and cries. Awkward? Not for Jesus. Was for everybody else, but not for him. She couldn't speak. She was so overcome with emotion that she couldn't speak. And no doubt, she was there because she just wanted to come and give some expression of appreciation for something Jesus had done for her. And it's in the midst of this setting that she breaks this precious alabaster box filled with precious ointment that no doubt represented her life's savings. And she pours it on him. To you and I, that would be somewhat ridiculous. It would be. If that happened at your house, if you were Simon the leper, this woman walks in off the street with this box in her hand and breaks it and pours the contents on Jesus and you could be filled with a little righteous indignation yourself and say this is my party what is she doing here she's interrupted I've had this thing catered I have the best I can afford and all of my friends are here Jesus disciples are here and here comes this woman and ruins and interrupts the whole entire thing I've got to hurry The value, it wasn't the box. The value was placed on what was in it. And why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? And one of the verses said that it was worth some 300 pence. I want you to all understand that today. That that was almost a year's wage for them. They made a penny a day back then. And uh, uh, 300 pence, 365 days. I mean, she gave almost a year's salary. You figure up how much you make. And just you expend all of that on Jesus in one setting. You don't let it out in payments. You don't give a little bit and save enough for next Sunday. You don't give a little bit and save some for the next special service. She, she was in the presence of Jesus in that moment. She had obviously been in his presence before with a need. Now she's come to give back. She had a problem before. But now she's been cured. She's been healed. And now she wants to express her appreciation. And she holds nothing back. For just a few moments today, I want to give you several reasons why we should break the box. To come and worship. This is a Christmas season. It's not a Christmas message, but we're in that season. And if there's ever a prime time to worship the Lord, this is a time and season to do it. Reason number one, the, the true spirit of worship is giving our all. A true spirit of worship isn't giving a part. You don't come and say for the month of January of next year, there's four Sundays in that month, so I'm going to give 25% of my worship each Sunday, and by the time I get to the end of the month, I will have given all. It doesn't work that way. Worship is not installments. When you're in the presence of God, you give Him all you've got. 
And when you come back next Sunday, you give him all you've got again. And when you come back the following Sunday, you give him all you've got again. And when you come back, then you get the point. Now, I don't know how many boxes of ointment she had, but there's something in my heart that says if she had had more, she would have brought it all on that one given occasion. That box or vase was probably an heirloom handed down through generations. It was something that represented her family, her identity, her past. It was something valuable from her past. Jesus cured the bad part of her past. Now she's going to give the valuable part of her past. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost today. I feel a little preaching right now. I believe when you and I come to the house of God, we owe Jesus more than just a little hand and praise now and then there needs to be a spirit an attitude about us that says God you've been good to me you've eradicated my past you've delivered me from horrible things and I'm going to worship you with all I've got today everybody clap your hands to the Lord I want you to notice and I'm hurrying She wasn't weeping because she was repenting. This wasn't repentance. It was worship. She didn't stop along the way and pick up something cheap and convenient at a convenience store. She brought him all she had. And I really want to point out, I really want to point out to all of you who love to worship God today. Worship is not based. It's roots and source does not come from tradition. Neither does it come from convenience. When you're in the presence of God, who cares about tradition? When you're in the presence of God, who cares about convenience? When God's in the house, we need to worship. As a matter of fact, when God's in the house, if you've been born again, you should want to worship. You should have a desire to worship. If we have the audacity to ask God to forgive us of our sins, then we should have the courage to worship. It doesn't matter who's around, what anybody's doing, what anybody's saying. If God has washed your sins away, you owe Him your worship, your gratitude, and your praise. Clap your hands again. Thank the Lord. I've got to move on. Reason number two is Mary came to be a blessing. She came to be a blessing. She didn't come this time. Pentecostals struggle with this. And preachers have done it. Preachers, I'll I'll point my finger at myself today. If you have a need, if you have a need, if you have a need. And our relationship with God becomes need-based. And so if we don't have a need in our relationship with God, we don't know what to do. This woman didn't come with a need. She came to be a blessing. She didn't come to ask anything of Jesus. She didn't come to receive anything from Jesus. She just strictly came to give him something from her heart. I want you to notice the Bible teaches us that we should bless the Lord. We have a hard time doing that sometimes. And if we do, it's very short. We expect God to get the point and get it quick. 
Because I don't know when this is going to happen again. It's kind of like being married. I'm sorry, did I say something about marriage? I, we celebrate our anniversaries. Why? Why not celebrate more often than once a year? I remember hearing a story about a man that got married. And on his wedding night, he said, told his wife, I'm only going to say this one time. I love you. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. Try that, you married men and women, and see how that works for you in your marriage. Um, the psalmist teaches us. As a matter of fact, the psalm of David, he said at least 15 times, bless the Lord. At least 15 times he said to bless the Lord. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 34 and 1, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise the Lord. We come with our needs. We need to come more often with our praise because our praise should be greater than our needs. The priority of praise should be greater than our needs. And if we would praise more often, we wouldn't have to say anything about our needs because God would meet our needs in the midst of our praise. Amen. We come to get when our real motive should be to come to the house of God to give. Everyone else came to Jesus seemingly to receive something. Even that day at Simon the leper's house, I'm sure the, the nice catered meal, whatever it was, was a big attraction to those who had been invited. Many times have you been invited to go eat with somebody? And it's either where or what. So the essence of, of going to have fellowship with somebody is not to just be with them. It's what are we going to eat and where are we going to eat it. Somebody was going back and forth with somebody recently about having lunch. Y'all make fun of me if you want, but it's my way about having lunch and uh, I said where would you like to go and they said it doesn't matter and I said okay we'll go to McDonald's you should have seen their face it's like you've just pulled a plug out of a tire I think they need somebody needs to open a restaurant and name it it doesn't matter <laughs> and then that's where you can go eat because it doesn't matter <laughs> matters what they serve and no matter what the name is we get that point there's oftentimes people are attracted to events by what's going on at that event by what they're serving at that event but in this case there's only one person there that made this woman any difference she didn't come to be noticed in front of the congregation she didn't notice to be noticed by Simon the leper there's only one person I tell our praise team once in a while and we have it posted in certain ways here and there. And we remind them of it when we can. That you're here singing and playing for one person. 
And if you all will sing and play to him, all of these people out here will be blessed as a result of it. And this scripture is a proof of that. Amen. Amen. So everyone came to receive something. They just came simply to eat. But Mary is the only one that the Bible records that didn't come to eat. She came during the meal, and while they were sitting conversing, what she had to do was not her motivation. It's what she wanted to do. And what she wanted to do couldn't wait any longer. She couldn't wait till the supper was over. She couldn't wait until something else happened. She didn't wait to follow their tradition and culture. Worship can never wait. When God is amazing in your heart and mind, you can be driving your car. You can be at home somewhere. It doesn't matter where you are. God can come to your mind and something is going to come out of your mouth. It just has to. And it can't wait. The third reason for worship is Mary had singleness of heart. She only came to see one person. She didn't come to see the recently cleansed Simon or his disciples. She wasn't deterred by the criticism of the bystanders. She didn't come to look at Simon's house. Uh, she didn't come to hear her favorite preacher. She didn't stay at home because her favorite preacher wasn't there. It didn't matter who else was in that house. She only came for Jesus. Did you come today to this house just because you wanted to worship? The fourth reason that I want to present to you today with this story is that Mary's worship was spontaneous. God help us with this. She didn't wait until just the right time in the service. She didn't wait for the worship team to get her all pumped up and amped up. She walked in without an offering, without announcements, without anything going on. They were in the middle of conversation, and who knows what they were talking about. None of that mattered. She was spontaneous. She walked in, and without apology, she began to worship when no one else was worshiping. I had an experience a number of years ago. I was a guest speaker at a, another church, and um, that church was absolutely booming. The atmosphere was so exciting. The, just the, everything about it. You couldn't help but walk in and just feel the electricity in that building. And right at their service time, if it was 11 o'clock like ours, whatever it was, but when the clock hit 11, there was a woman that walked through the door. And I understand this was choreographed, but it got the point across. She walked in the door at 11 o'clock, worshiping the Lord as loud as she could and clapping her hands. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. And it took about three seconds for everybody to realize what was going on. And they were all on their feet and everybody was worshiping God. The preacher didn't say, let's worship the Lord. The preacher didn't say, let's clap our hands. The preacher didn't say, let's raise our hands. The preacher didn't say, let's lift our hearts and praise. There was one person that ignored culture and tradition and custom and said, I want to worship the Lord 
right now. I can't wait until music and singing starts. And it was like a virus. It spread all through that building. And the momentum of that service was unbelievable from that moment on for the rest of the service. God help us today to understand if we would just come and break open the box. The value is what's on the inside of us. If we could break out of our routine, if we could break out of our tradition, if we could break out of our personality, if we could break out of our perspective, God could move and work among us. And finally, she worshiped without reservation. This little box she brought in with her, it represented perhaps all that she had. It was her life's wealth, her life's savings. It represented the things in life that, that were of value before she met Jesus. It's what she valued before she met Jesus. This family heirloom, again, represented her past, her pedigree, her savings, her dreams, her goals, her ideas of what was truly important to her in life. I want you to notice she didn't uncork that bottle or take the lid off of that box. She broke it. You know why she broke it? Because she wanted to leave it all with Jesus that day. She left it in such a way that she couldn't take it home with her. By the time she was done with this amazing portrait, of praise and worship, there was nothing for her to take with her. So she could never backslide. She could never go back and get it. She could never bring something to the altar and say, never mind, I want it back six months later and come get it and take it back. She left with a resolute determination and commitment. I'm bringing this to Jesus. I'm going to break it in so many pieces. I will never, ever have that again. I'll never be tempted by it. There won't be any more debate about it. My family won't argue about it. My kids won't argue about it. It's all over with. I left it all with him because I'm going to seek first his will in my life. She removed all possibility and all opportunity to come back and take it back. What she was simply saying that day was that this box means nothing to me, Jesus, but you mean everything. And I have seen people come to the front of the building, seen it all in my life. They'll bring their life to Jesus. But they don't bring it in such a way that in case something happens, I can't come back and get it later. I've seen more people, and it's disturbing sometimes, that will make a profession of faith, that will say, God, you're everything to me. But they don't make it complete enough. They don't make it determined enough, committed enough. And they always leave that little bit of room. Well, if something happens, I want to be able to come back and resume my old lifestyle. And I've seen it happen over and over. And what I've seen through the years is when people resume their lifestyle after knowing Jesus, oftentimes it's worse 
than when they came the first time. I want everybody to understand here today. I want everybody to understand it. Whatever you're holding on to that's valuable to you is between you and Jesus. It will never outlast him. It will never be of the same value as he is. Because Jesus made those very sobering words, what would you accomplish, sir? What would you accomplish, ma'am, if you gain the entire world and lose your soul? So worship was never intended to be something you give and then tell God later I didn't mean it and take it back. It doesn't work that way. So while you stand with me this morning, I want to ask you, what about your box? What about things that you have in your life that right now you deem more important than anything else I've lived long enough to see the pattern. I've lived long enough to see the pattern. I've seen 20-year-olds and 30-years-old in my lifetime that gave everything to the Lord, but something happened and they walk away. And now they're in their 40s and 50s and their lives are falling apart and they somehow can't find God and, and they're worse off now than they've ever been. I've seen that happen. And it happens too often. Yeah, Pastor, I'm happy. I don't need Jesus right now. I, I get that. You think you don't, you do, but I, I understand. I understand. There'll come a time when the parties are over, the romance is over, all the purpose of things that's motivating you now, all that's over. The one lasting thing you, you will have is Jesus. And he will always be there no matter how old or young you are so what is the value of your box today and are you willing to break it are you willing to give God the praise the worship the adoration that he's worthy of today I love the song y'all don't sing it today y'all already got something planned but I love that Christmas carol that says oh come all ye faithful in the chorus it says, Oh, come, let us adore him. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Oh, come, let us adore him. So in the spirit of Christmas, in the spirit of Jesus coming, in the spirit of singing Christmas carols, would you come with your box today and break it open and just give it all to him for a little while this morning before we leave and go have lunch somewhere? Everybody come. Would you come? Oh, come, all ye faithful. Come on, people. Let's come and worship him. Let's come and adore him. Let's come and lift him up. If you want to get a little unconventional, that's okay. If you don't want to be traditional this morning, that's okay. We have room for that here at Grace Church. We just want you to worship. We want you to pour your heart out and worship. Y'all sing. And let's worship the Lord here this morning. Everybody, let's praise him, shall we?
Thank you.